You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome back to the Experience Sikhi podcast. We welcome you from part one, which you were just listening to. Part two is beginning now. So moving on beyond the education side, Mm -hmm. what types of qualities make a good graphic designer? Um, We talked about this earlier, but one of the biggest um, qualities that a graphic designer needs is to be humble, Hmm. um, more than creativity. (laughs) Um, And that's because graphic design, like design in general, is all about critique. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were in university um every single class was about critique mm. <laughs> right we would work on things on at our own like own time uh go to class present our process for whatever project we're working on present the deliverable mm-hmm. and like we would literally put our work up on the wall or present it to our, our class and every like all of our classmates would come and um either put a sticky note or they can make yeah. a comment, right? About how you can improve or where mm-hmm. you can improve. They criticize your work. Fair. And that's every week for four years yeah. <laughs> you're dealing with that, right? So it's really important to take, to make sure that you don't take these things personally, hmm. right? They're yeah. not telling you as a person to like, <laughs> you know, you know, they're not like dissing you as a person. They're yeah. just ha- helping you make your work better. Mm-hmm. But the reason mm-hmm. I say humble is like, if if we're not able to accept that criticism, we can't grow as a designer. Fair. Um, uh, it's important to accept that criticism. And we don't have to agree with it all, mm-hmm. but acknowledging that, hey, that's a good point. Or acknowledging that, like, I see what you mean, but I don't, under- I don't agree. Um, it. Acknowledging it is really important. And in, in order to acknowledge it, I think it's, we need, like, I, I need to be humble. <laughs> how, how honest does that criticism get? Is it is it brutally honest or is it because you're in a classroom environment with colleagues that people mm-hmm. are fairly nice yeah. about it? Um, like it doesn't get dirty. Okay. So fair. like it's not like attacks or any anything of that sense. Um, but one thing, what, like one of the experiences that I faced, um, this was in second year. I did a project about um, farmer suicide in Punjab. Okay. Right. Yeah. And basically, I made this poster. So at first I crafted like a like a scarecrow looking thing. Okay. But it was it was with like a noose around yeah. its neck, right? And then I I did like um photography, like product photography for it, uh-huh. and then I put it on a poster. Got and it, it was a pretty like dark poster, right? Because yeah. I wanted to entice those feelings, right? Yeah. Um and then one of my peers, she commented and and she was like well, if they're committing suicide, like why don't they just stop being farmers, right? Like, and then Yikes. to me it was kind of like like first i was taken back i was like no like that's wrong yeah insensitive <laughs> right? comment to make exactly. at the very least yeah um but then like th- that's what i mean you have to step back and be like okay what is this audience saying like what are mm, they coming what are they seeing yeah what are they seeing where are they coming from what context do they have mm-hmm. right um for most of them we had like snippets or we would present to the class first before yep. criticizing but some professors would be like okay put your work on the wall let's do a critique and then we'll talk about our work yeah. um wow so that was like so obviously she didn't mean it in a in offensive yeah. way. Um she didn't understand the context. So it mm. can get kind of like oh like in that sense. Yeah. But I don't think um everyone's fairly um not fairly like 
fairly genuine and nice about their comments, even if they are critiquing. Fair. Yeah. That brings me back to another point in terms of a lot of design from what I perceive as visual. Mm -hmm. Do designers also work on their writing? Because some designer friends I have aren't the best writers. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> but is there yeah. is there a written element to design as well? Whether that be, for example, you've summarized articles before. Mm-hmm. That must have taken some work yeah. and proofreading, grammar, etc. So yeah. what does that development look like? Yeah, 100%. We actually have English courses in design school. Okay, nice. <laughs> like we Fair. Take, yeah, we have to take um, in the first, first and second year. Wow, I just realized how long it's been since... I was in school, <laughs> yeah. but I think it was first and second year. We took English courses um, and yeah, it's all about like writing, like your typical English courses, academic oh, yeah. English courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of writing involved because for yeah. every, pro- every project that we did, we had to write a process book. Fair. Um, oh, we had okay. to write um, like an explanation for our entire process. Yep. And that was actually part of the grading too. We had, wow. we were graded on that. Um, they kind of they were a bit more lenient on that because a lot of our peers were international students. Okay, fair. Um, Interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. Wow. yeah, a lot of like um, from like the Asian community and um, Europe and stuff. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so writing is a huge part of it. Uh, we had English courses. Even yeah, my thesis had had a lot of writing. Writing the consent forms for. Mm for interview yep. interviewees and that wow. was very important because you had to be very picky with the words that you're using yep. it is a huge part of design but once you leave design school and you start working on teams with copywriters you forget how to Fair. write <laughs> Fair. That makes um sense. sometimes as a designer even in your role um like your job you have to write you have to copyright mm-hmm. it is important but most marketing teams or agencies they have their own copywriters as well. Got it. So you don't have to really focus on that at that point. Okay, interesting. So now that you're a graduated working graphic designer, mm-hmm. what's been the best part of the job and the worst part of the job? Um, so the best part is, so realizing the power of design, especially in today's day and age, everything is about mm. identity. Um, everything's about branding. Um, even social media, like everything you see on social media is following a trend, yeah. right? A trend, in my opinion, it's like, it's a huge reflection of like brands and where they're going. Yep. Um, it has a lot of power. And so realizing the power of design, um, the best part is you can use that for our bond <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be prosperous, right? Yeah. Um, building from like small things like building Sikh and Punjabi businesses, yep. um, helping them brand, helping them become established, mm-hmm. um, like f- starting from there to like branding experience to keep, right? Yep. Like right now we're doing the 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, no, we need this 10 year logo on everything we do this year. Yep. Um, and then uh, we, basically what that does is like at that end of the day, this year, when anyone thinks of Experience Security, they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's their 10-year anniversary, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like getting that message through. Design is about communication, um, and communication is key, right? It's yeah. um, it's it's very powerful. Um, that's the best part of working about design, like realizing how much power it has and how we can use that power to um, make a positive impact. Yep. Uh, the worst part 
is using that power negatively. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, like everyone has their own morals, their own um, lifestyles and what they believe in and don't believe in. Um, One of the hardest parts I would say is if I were to work in like a design agency, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that that power of design is being used to promote alcohol Mm -hmm. or promote things that I don't agree with, um, to say no to those projects. Mm-hmm. Um, that also comes with like being an ethical designer and putting yep. your morals first. First, mm-hmm. um, I'm a big believer of that. Like, if you don't, if you gotta sacrifice your morals and sacrifice um, what you believe in to like do your job, uh, like yeah. I wouldn't. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Right. That's um, so using that power um, to kind of create illusions. Mm-hmm. Um, is is the scary part of design. Does Do you find that when you refuse that work, for example, that it's held against you, that it brings your mm-hmm. stock as a designer down because they're like, oh, she's inaccessible when it comes to this work? Right. Um, so far, and I've only worked in one like agency type of environment, and mm-hmm. luckily I never came across that problem because it was like very the the audience was very like brand, the customers' clients were very Brampton oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. In bigger agencies that are more established, I think they also respect ethics and nice. they respect morals, right? So they're okay with, hey, like if you can't take on this project, they have more than just that project. Mm-hmm. for us right so they'll be most of them will be sure to not assign you to that Fair. um that's something i've seen that's pretty common in the design industry like everyone is really they respect each other's um beliefs um the hardest part where i've declined clients is freelancing Fair. <laughs> so Makes like sense. sometimes you'll have a client and you don't agree with what they're promoting mm-hmm. um and I've said no to a few clients for that reason. I, and I, I was really honest about it. I was like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I can give you contacts for other designers that might be comfortable with it. Yep. Um, I personally don't feel comfortable promoting this mm-hmm. or having any part in it. Um, yeah. And sometimes you're just like <laughs> left on red. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but to me at the end of the day, it's kind of like, I feel like I think I did the right thing by mm-hmm. not like um, giving up what I believe Fair. to take on like projects just because of like whatever, like building my portfolio to be paid and stuff. Yep. Um, at the end of it, like I don't feel like I feel pretty satisfied still. <laughs> nice. How much of your work now is entrepreneurial? Are you actively seeking out clients or is it mostly clients coming to you? Um, right now, like what Guru says, like I don't. I've haven't done much marketing um, mm. and it's more like referral based clients. Yep. Um, there's a lot of clients coming. Um, I think I have like a project every month to mm-hmm. work on. I'm really thankful for that. Um, eventually it would be cool to have like kind of start fully freelancing or going to studio mode. And yep. then at that point I would seek clients to, to mm-hmm. make sure that I have like 40 hours of <laughs> at least 40 hours of work a week. Interesting. Um, but right now, it's been referral-based. Um, word of mouth is the best type of promo. You do, really? like, a great job for one client, and they'll bring you, like, five more. Yep. Um, that's yeah. one thing I've learned. So doing your best work and doing it honestly is where <laughs> it's at. What about the 
money involved? Is a lot of it project-based? Once you complete a project, you get the payment? Or is it hourly, like you mentioned, getting 40 hours worth mm-hmm. of work every week? Yeah. Um. So pricing is a very, like, um, there's not, like, only one model for okay. design. Yeah. Uh, different designers follow different um, pricing models. Um, agency follow, agency, like, different agency follow different pricing models. Freelancers follow different pricing models yeah. what um the typical is um a designer would kind of be like okay i want to make if if we're talking only freelancing yep. i want to make let's say like 70k at the end of the year mm-hmm. right um then you would be like to earn that 70k i want to work x amount of hours in a week it doesn't have to be 40 it could be less yep. than 40 um it could be more than 40 but you kind of dev- do the math and be like okay yeah. how much do i need to make an hour to be able to yep. earn this um and so in that case some people do hourly some people do project based so if i know that um a branding project takes me x amount of time to finish yep. um i can i'm able to give out a flat rate um yeah. it also depends on company size so if there's a startup that's coming to me i'm not yeah. going to charge them the same as like a corporate right yeah. like a, like for example if nike were to do a rebrand it'll be like tens of thousands of dollars yeah. versus if like a local business came to me yeah. and like Said they I think it'd be more it. than 10,000 too, but okay, no, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so it depends. It's very. Um, it depends on your audience. It depends on like your clients, mm-hmm. their business size, um, their project, what they're looking to do. Uh, if it's like one campaign versus like a whole rebrand or yep. things like that. Yeah. In terms of accessibility to the profession, mm-hmm. what equipment do you need as a graphic designer? So, for example, the types of computers, um, the type of office space, is it an accessible profession to enter? Um, as a student, it is. <laughs> okay, okay, so fair. basically, like, um, I prefer using, like, um, Apple, using a MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Adobe Creative Cloud uh, works more, more smoothly on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used it in a Windows environment too, but I guess once you get used to it, it's kind of finicky there. Yeah. Um, so having a, a laptop that you can render on, like having like a good amount of RAM, a good amount of memory mm-hmm. space, that kind of stuff. Um, Adobe Creative Cloud is expensive, um, unfortunately. It is like to get all the apps that you need you would have to buy the subscription that gives you all of their apps yep. and that costs like close to 900 dollars a year oh it's expensive <laughs> you gotta renew it every year and you gotta wow. renew every year okay. um as a student you yeah. get it for free mm-hmm. right um until mm-hmm. i think for two years after graduating you have it for free got it um after that you gotta pay for it mm-hmm. um so in in certain senses yes it's accessible while you're a student um yep. if you're working yeah um but it it is expensive fair like it, fair. i think it depends on if you're freelancing um how much you're making things like yep. that but yeah as someone who also does freelance work how in control of you are of your own schedule do you have weeks where you're working non-stop and including the weekends and are there times where you get a full weekend off you get your weekday evenings off what does that look yeah. like um yeah it definitely depends on clients and their deadlines as well fair um right now i'm working nine to five and freelancing um at one point i was only freelancing yep. um so when i was only freelancing it was a lot easier for me to fit things into a schedule because i had my all the, mm-hmm. the days to myself 
Um, but I really wanted to also work in house or in an agency environment just to learn more about the business of graphic design. That's not mm. something we're taught in school. You kind of have to yeah. get into it to figure out the business aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now working nine to five, uh, I do have to put in my evenings and weekends in freelancing work. Okay. Um, there are some months where I like I refuse projects. Like for yeah. example, this year, like may to like september i'm not going to take on any projects because wow. we have so many <laughs> like experiencing cues yeah. back in full-fledged <laughs> we have so many events <laughs> yep. um no, so it's like in the evenings we're probably going to be prepping for an event yep. and weekends we're going to have an event yeah right? that's fair that's um fair. so like uh, yeah so in that sense we have control i can block off that time and be like no at that time my priority is this mm-hmm. right um interesting Right now, I have I'm juggling quite a few projects, yep. so I'm putting I am putting those evenings and weekends mm-hmm. into it. Um, also, because a lot of the client deadlines are like similar. Fair. Sometimes, so obviously, I'm not going to take on more than I can do. Right, I'll take on a maximum of two to three projects simultaneously, mm-hmm. n- never more than three, because because you don't want to like you want to focus on them too, right? You Fair. don't want to divert that attention and then um, not do your best for each of them. Yep. So setting that yeah. limit for yourself is important. And then also seeing like availability, prioritizing, right? Um, if you're okay working over going or over doing something else, mm-hmm. go for it. Um, if you have other priorities, then you do have that control of taking on less projects and then prioritizing something else. Okay. Do the number of hours you work play any role in you going from a junior to senior designer in the agency setting. Like, for example, there are a lot of professions where you're encouraged to take initiative and work those long hours, and that's what's going to help you advance your career faster. Is that also... Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It does happen. Um, Also, because as a junior designer, like I've learned this now being in that um, position, Mm -hmm. we're kind of like naive when we go into that environment. Um, We're kind of like, yeah, we like you just kind of say yes to everything so that you can prove like yeah i'm a great designer yeah, yeah, <laughs> right true. um and then also because you want to gain that respect and that um acknowledgement that yeah i'm a hard worker and i yeah. deserve eventually to be at a higher rank mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah that that definitely plays a role in it fair that's very interesting um i want to bring it back one more time to you mentioning the value of design mm-hmm when you're working with let's say nonprofit organizations or charities do they sometimes ask you to do them a favor where you design for free or what does that structure look like when you're taking it outside of the professional realm into the more community work right um so pro bono work that's called okay that exists yeah that exists so it it's like a it depends like designer to designer if they want to do that got it i personally love to do that (laughs) right um i think it's really important for um leaving some time and resources out for pro bono work Mm -hmm. um because like 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 we mentioned like design is powerful um without design it's really hard to create an identity for any organization um and just because an organization is a charity organization and the funding for like a full-on brand like branding project is not available it's yep. important to give them that that Fair. platform um so yeah pro bono work exists and um 
yeah you can take it's up to you how many hours you kind of put into it mm-hmm. it's different than like doing free projects for a business that can't yeah. afford the services yeah. okay that's interesting i didn't know pro bono existed yeah in design you hear that a lot yeah. in mm-hmm. law i had no idea that it was yeah yeah it doesn't rgd actually has regulations and stuff for wow. that as well okay interesting yeah. interesting yeah. um we haven't touched upon this too much but because your family has been supportive of the career so far yeah. but like you mentioned in a typical household there's doctor lawyer engineer when you are out in the community and someone asks you what you do and you say graphic design mm-hmm. do you ever get those adverse reactions and does that ever play a hand in demotivating you uh yeah so it depend yeah uh, sometimes you go to like relatives houses and they're like oh tuki ka design graphic design okay hunda um and then you're like then you kind of stop by like marketing right like i'm mm. in marketing i do work like they some people just don't understand what it is yeah um um some people will be like you'll say graphic design and they'll be like oh to business card banani it's like yeah <laughs> more than just business cards but yeah, yeah. Wow. um they get they kind of get the point but it's yeah. i've noticed that for like the elders it's very hard for them to grasp that you can make a career out of this yeah, cuz they're right. like okay yeah you make one business card like how can how can you have a career out of yeah. that right um so like you have to explain yeah. to them like no like the websites that you're navigating or the tv shows that you're watching yeah. or um you know like like everything that every single day you're dealing with graphic design yeah. right the clothes that you wear are branded yeah. um the products that you use are branded right mm-hmm. like you go and you make the smoothie in the morning you're using a ninja like yeah. blender you see that logo there yep. like design is everywhere and mm. um for like elders you really got to kind of explain to them but then like when you explain it thoroughly then they're like oh yeah like say cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah right um but for the younger people um like people our age it's mm-hmm. uh, i've gotten a lot of positive feedback right. like oh yeah um that's really cool cuz I think our generation has a better understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um our generation uses it a lot too, yeah. especially with social media. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, mixed reactions. Some people just don't know what it is. Some fair. people understand and be like, "Oh, cool." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. We've all seen those Godora posters that have way too much writing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that's yeah. fair. That's very interesting. Are you seeing <clears throat> You've mentioned that the younger generation is obviously more accepting to this yeah. because yes we all engage in it. Yeah. Are you seeing a lot more sick youth now entering the graphic design field as well? So for example, we have you. I feel like you were one of the pioneers out of our group yeah. to pursue graphic design and we have younger graphic designers mm-hmm. who look to you for inspiration and help. Outside of our group, have you seen people entering the field, reaching out to you? Um yes uh if we look at the overall like Punjabi community mm-hmm. um I, I'm very grateful I did get the opportunity to mentor a lot of um awesome. students yeah. to like do like mock interviews for getting into OCAD mm-hmm. helping them with their portfolio and things wow. like that um I do feel though we need a lot more graphic designers in our font mm-hmm. um like right now and when I think of like I filter down like the amount of graphic designers I know that yeah. are um sick youth like only five or six come to my head really? right yeah okay. um cuz sometimes you have like um either save up projects or client projects and you can't take them on mm-hmm. um but they are securelated um uh, and you're trying to pass them on to other uh people Someone that will actually understand exactly. what's what's happening 
um, who has the context behind it, but it's so hard to find that. Um, sure. So I highly encourage <laughs> more Sikh youth to um, pursue this field. There's a huge future in it, mm-hmm. right? Everything's about design moving forward. The yep. industry is huge. Um, mm. The opportunities are there. Even yep. if you're, that's the good thing about these kind of careers, right? If you're freelancing, like you don't have to work a nine to five to yeah. earn as a graphic designer. You can do freelancing. You can set up your own studio or um, business, right? Um, yeah. So, like, I highly encourage more sick youth to pursue graphic design. <laughs> that that brings up two more questions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've seen some revolutionary designs in terms of the font. Like, for example, that first Defenders of the Faith album cover yeah. with the the kanda, where half of it is like. But yeah, Shastad, yeah. half of it yeah, yeah. is more contemporary Shastad. Mm-hmm. Even the farmers protest, no farmers, no food. Exactly. That logo became very iconic and we yeah. saw it everywhere. Um, do you see a need specifically, like in the Panth, do you see certain gaps where you feel like graphic designers could help, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be, do Gordari actually need logos in your opinion? Why is that important? Yeah. Or is there a Panthic cause where you're like, if branding was, um, if branding existed for this, maybe mm-hmm. we could get the word out more. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Uh, branding um, is not only for like um, businesses or organizations; it's also okay. for movements. Okay. Um, like you said, like um, all the art that came out of No Farmers No Food, not mm-hmm. only like design wise, but so much other art came out of that movement. Yep. Right? You had like music yet songs um you had uh like paintings photography videography those are so big um uh and then even for um what what was the other example you mentioned the album cover yeah those kind of things and today you see those um long live khalistan yeah like those flags right all of that is branding right Mm -hmm. um all of that is an identity and 100 percent, i feel like once you um kind of take on an identity for a revolutionary cause um Mm. it's easier to spread the word out it's easier to communicate because everything has a pretty clear message yeah um it's easy to understand that message so it's easy to like spread that message Mm. um one example like obviously looking out of the month right now but um the branding behind black lives matter yeah um this it's a huge revolution right Mm -hmm. and like when you think of black lives matter well to me when i think of black lives matter i see it written in the font that it's always written in Mm. um yeah and like that's revolutionary of its own right you see someone wearing that shirt you know exactly what it's about Mm -hmm. um so yeah 100 percent. i agree like we do need um we can fill in a lot of gaps um for a lot of issues or for for a lot of like things we need to get out there mm-hmm. with design not mm-hmm. per se only branding but with the, like properly designed material yeah. um properly uh, material that can be digestible mm-hmm. that's easy to digest by different people yeah in terms of the future of graphic design this is this is this is a new question that i'm adding in because it's become very prevalent yeah ai exists now. yeah ai has created art that mm-hmm. apparently has won awards yeah do you see it as a threat to graphic design or is graphic design one of those professions where you'll always need that human touch? I think graphic design is one of those professions where you'll always need that human touch. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I read this thing recently. It said um, AI will help us um, seek inspiration for a design. Okay. But it will not be able to do the design that we need it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason behind that is like, I get like AI can be uh, very close to human behavior and it could kind of mimic it. Mm-hmm. But to provoke those feelings yeah. and create that energy um, to actually have unique ideas. AI can create what's already been created or what it knows. It can't create beyond that, right? Mm. Um, I okay. feel like our minds are more capable of thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, also forcing yourself to be creative. Like, um, this is random, but in university, we used to do activities, certain, like, exercises to, like, um, make, like, forcefully make our brains think in a creative route. Mm. <laughs> That's something, like, I feel like can't be done by AI. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Now we're going to pivot the other way. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about your career and your mm-hmm. academic background so far. Mm-hmm. You're also an Amritari Sikh. So what did your personal journey into Sikhi look like? When did it happen? When were you introduced to Sikhi? And who in your life did you have to guide you along this path? Yeah. We, as kids... um, born into a typical Punjabi family, <laughs> right? Um, like, Guru Sahib's get, but like, my nanke were always into Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, my nanke side has a, a tie with, like, some Pradayak, like, Gamdam Tuksal. Nice. <laughs> Plug. <Yes. laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, like, uh, my nanaji guys um, were, I uh, did a lot of seva of, like, the Jatha when they came to Naba Sahib. Mm-hmm. Um, we were blessed with, like, um, not we, my nanaji guys were blessed with doing the seva of like Vardhi Mahapur, Shantkirtar, Singhji mm-hmm. every time they came to Naba Sahib. Um, so that had a really big uh, impact on my family. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I look back, it was because like, of their Kamai kind of like the, the key trickled down, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, born and raised like until we were, I was about four, typical Punjabi household. Yeah. Um, but then eventually like Start, like our family we, like we went to the Gordor and stuff pretty often like we didn't have like first birthday parties we had first birthday and yeah. things like that as kids right yep. um but not we weren't Amritari and then when I was four um our family was blessed with Amrit and then like me and my brother were uh, given Jura that time mm-hmm. and then in grade seven by grade seven so in grade four is when I started learning Gitan properly before mm-hmm. that it was kind of like on off um, but grade four is when I actually like was able to commit myself. Um, okay. And that really pulled me into Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Like Gitan was the base of uh, my Sikhi and I feel like it still is today. Um, I think everyone has their own kind of um, connection towards Sikhi, their own like uh, like avenue mm-hmm. <laughs> towards like what pulls them to Guru Sahib most. Yeah. Like some people listening to Katha, some people doing Gatka, some people Kavishri, Tadri. Yeah. For me, it was, that was Gitan. So... Mm-hmm. Grade four started really like going to a lot of Gitan programs, learning Gitan, um, having Sangat like a lot more often than we did before. Yeah. And then by grade seven, like Grusab Skipper, like I was blessed with Amrit. And mm-hmm. from there on, um, uh, also like with going to York SSA events, yep. um, having out like all my friends were always older than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, they were Sangat friends, and then just having them as role, role models 
having them as my sangat is what really kept me grounded. How much of that was, let's say the Keetan learning, how much of that was voluntary? For example, when I was a kid, my mom would never let me skip the Saturday 2 to 4 p.m. tabla <laughs> class. Yeah. And I'd be very frustrated when I couldn't go to like a friend's birthday party or yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like because she kept me tied down to the Gorda side for yeah. so many years that I eventually walked the path. Mm-hmm. So how much of that was voluntary? Did your parents ever say this is something you have to do or was it something that because you saw them walking it it came naturally yeah it was more so like um so when we were younger um we went to india and like we brought back a vajja and like occasionally here and there i'll try to learn but like i feel like my mom kind of picked up that like hey like i think there's an interest there Mm -hmm. um and like i mentioned earlier like just as a kid like i've always had like a kitch towards the arts yeah um that's true any type of arts Keetan was, like, one of them, right? Um, and then uh, I think, like, she realized that. And then uh, most of it, uh, I would say all of it was pretty volunteer. Like, I really enjoyed going to Keetan class. Like, it's yeah. something I always looked forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, Punjabi classes where, like, the auntie were a bit scary. Probably not. <laughs> but Keetan class was something that I was, I was like, yeah, I want to go to Keetan class. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it was voluntary. In terms of you have that kitsch with Girtan mm-hmm. and you're also someone who's taken Santya and does Barnia Bias. What's the difference between the two? Mm-hmm. And why did you feel like it was important to not just focus on the Girtan but also engage in the Barney reading side? Right. With Girtan, like um the way I kinda saw it is like you're singing to Guru Sahib, right? Yeah. Um but in order to sing Gurbani, sing the Shabds to Guru Sahib, I felt like it's really important to um, understand what you're singing. Okay. Um, and that's where Santhya came in. Like, I felt like it was, like, right now, like, anytime we do Rol Sevas or mm-hmm. we read Bani, um, I feel like it's important to have, like, knowledge of Akri Art. Mm-hmm. So we're able to... Um, it's kind of like a conversation, right? So you're able to kind of pick up what what Lusa's talking about. Yeah. Um, and and when you're doing kirtan, like that's the same conversation at a whole different level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah. like I feel like yeah, tunes and stuff. Like it's not just like tunes. Um, yeah. like like dogs and stuff, right? They're yeah. actually like they have a kitsch from like your heart, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so. Reading Barney is one thing, and then when you sing it, it's different. And the importance, I, I like 100% believe it's important to get Santhya, um, learn what you're singing, and mm-hmm. then sing it. Because sometimes I feel like, especially like when we do Gitan, like outside of Rag, Sadiyan, Jamkiyan, like Visram, sometimes they go here and there, and then we start doing Anart as well. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and like one of the examples our Santhya teacher gave us often is you know the the Shabd bin Paga Satsang Nalamba bin Sangat Madhuri Jari right um, so like when you're reading it you would be like bin Sangat Malpuri Jari right without Sangat Mal Malvish Parjan but when you hear like some ragis like Dukit and of it it's like bin Sangat Malpuri Jari right so it's kind of like oh then you're kind of like oh like Oh, that's not nice. yeah. <laughs> right um yeah. so it's important i yeah it is important to um do santhya mm-hmm. alongside 
singing the shabd at the end of the day yeah. is mm-hmm. whether you're singing it or reading it and it's important to do that correctly very interesting mm-hmm. is there anyone you think of as a role model or mentor and this could be either the career side of your life or the sikhi side yeah so for me my role model like um i um it it's because when i was reading their jeevni or anytime like i kind of heard their stories um it was very relatable mm-hmm. um sometimes you think like back in the day xyz happened and you can't really relate cuz you're like i'm not in that situation yeah. um reading their jeevni like they went to school they pursued they they pursued a lot of education mm-hmm. um and they were still able to keep up with their dad yep with their jeevan mm-hmm. to a point where you know like mahan shaheed of the pond right yeah. um so reading upon their so there were there was when i was reading like there was obviously when they were living on campus mm-hmm. there was a part where like um sometimes they felt like oh like my sikhis going low mm-hmm. obviously it's still like way higher than <laughs> we can imagine yeah. um but the it made it relatable that like hey sometimes school or like work can get in the way where you start feeling like your sikhi might be compromised yeah. but it gives you that check that like no that's our priority mm-hmm. um once we keep that in the front everything else will follow yeah um so re- reading their jeevni like that's something that i found really inspiring and that some that's something that i found that um it was like a like you're able to check in and be like okay hey it's okay when we have lows mm-hmm. but it's important to like um recover yeah. from them too fair i'm yeah. i'm glad you bring that up because from 2019 onwards when we have the sikhia career development retreat i don't know if you've been there for this presentation but jisroop singh goes through the letters Right. that Santkata Singh ji sent to Payamrik Singh when they were starting their yeah their educational life yeah and establishing that you still have a duty to the pant and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily it's not necessarily hard to fulfill it as long as you think of it as a priority and not the other yeah. way around mm-hmm. um i know many like myself like to use school as an excuse to have that day to sleep in or to be like oh i can't come to this program or take yeah. on this eva but at the end of the day it still always feels better once you do yeah and that school will eventually figure itself out too we're all part of sikhi is the discipline behind it so we're yeah. all, we all have some form of discipline no matter how stronger we can might be yeah and i think spending a bit of time with baba and diji singh ji taught me that this past fall where i would i feel like in many other circumstances i may not have taken the time to spend time with someone i consider um or i regard very highly yeah but the fact that i did and my grades didn't suffer i felt like was maraj telling me that you can take the time to learn sikhi yeah, too 100% and yeah i wouldn't trade those experiences for for anything in the world so yeah. that's that's yeah. very that's very nice to hear yeah um moving into now again the balance that shahid bhai amrik singh ji somewhat had conquered mm-hmm. as someone who now works you work a 9 to 5 you do freelance work uh there's community involvement in the sangat mm-hmm. do you ever burn out 
100%. (laughs) And how do you recover from them or how do you prevent them in the first place? Yeah. Um, I think before, um, during COVID, like before 2022, um, when I, after graduating, I did only freelancing. Mm -hmm. During school, I did freelancing, but very limited. Like I kind of, for me, like, um, like, experience the key was a priority Mm -hmm. school was a priority and then if i had some time um because like as a kid you have less responsibilities around the house and stuff um i would take on freelancing Mm -hmm. after graduating i took on freelancing um while i was job hunting interesting and then once i started working nine to five the burnout became real Mm -hmm. um i didn't realize that if i'm working nine to five um I need to cut back on the amount of projects I take on. Mm-hmm. So at one point, my schedule for months was literally like um, work, nine to five. Um, I would try to take out like 25, 30 minutes for myself, like after work, um, play with my knees, like, you know, just chill yeah. out, <laughs> um, have a snack and then uh, help a bit around the house, like do um, dinner, Luceva, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, wrap everything up by 8 p.m. and then work again until like 12 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah, um so i was literally working for like like 12 hours for, of the day mm-hmm. um wow. after a few months like my brain started shutting off mm-hmm. uh that was way too much and then alongside like weekends were always for like seva or like yeah. events right mm-hmm. um so then in those situations like i think it's important to step back and really figure out what your priorities are mm-hmm. um it's really funny like the the filter in my brain is kind of like okay the day i die what's going to be most important yeah. <laughs> right like what am i going to be questioned for um right. so like for me like i was able to prioritize in that way mm-hmm. um like this is most important to me uh then obviously i have to do like get right so my mm-hmm. nine to five um my freelancing now um i kind of don't give it as much of a priority i do like because i um working as an in-house designer you you work with the same content and the same messaging every single day Mm -hmm. so sometimes that can tire out your creative creativity like burns out your creative juices so you need that freelancing to like think about other um things as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah so then i think stepping back and realizing okay these are my priorities and how much time do i do i want to give to each of these yeah um helps and then now like i have a schedule for everything like these are the amount of hours maximum that i'll do for freelancing mm-hmm. um because i want to spend most of my time doing xyz yeah right interesting so creating those um boundaries for yourself um creating those schedules for yourself and figuring out what you want to prioritize helps um recover from burnouts mm-hmm. and it helps uh avoid them in the future that's awesome in terms of people who are new to sikki mm-hmm. you're someone who's been lucky to have a family that helped foster it from a young age what message do you have for those who are new to sikki and are just starting to tread this path because with mother's Gitpa, we've seen a lot of youth now come into sikki but sometimes they lack the guidance because Sikhi is also somewhat of a trend now. There are, you can become a celebrity on Twitter overnight if you yeah. have that right yeah. Sikhi take. Mm-hmm. So any any message or advice for them? Um, yeah. One thing is I feel like 
at the end of the day um there's only one truth mm. right um what's like what's social not only social media but just with a lot of like things going on in the world today um i feel like sikhi has been taking in, into a lot of different directions mm-hmm. um but it's important to learn about um that right about the core the base mm-hmm. it's important to learn about um what a sick should entail on a day to day basis mm-hmm. right and for me the most important thing that i would say to anyone that's new into sikhi is any step you take in your sikhi do, don't like rush anything do it slowly slow mm-hmm. slow and steady wins the race right yep. um don't try to take on way too much at the at, at once so you get overwhelmed and kind of like taken back yeah. um hmm. don't step your feet into too many boats mm-hmm. um and hmm. any step that you take towards progressing your sikhi do it out of love don't yeah. do it obviously you'll do it out of inspiration seeing people do things you'll mm-hmm. do that that's inspiration of sangat i feel like is different than doing taking a step in your sikhi out of um trends mm-hmm. like you mentioned yep. right um or doing it out of because i want to look a certain way or like mm-hmm. i want to fit in a certain way yeah. um mm-hmm. any step taken in your sikhi out of love of guru sahib will be a permanent step mm-hmm. in my opinion any step taken that's kind of like um that has like a de- dependent mm-hmm. everything else aside from like guru sahib is um temporary right mm-hmm. and we're all at the end of the day we're humans and we're um we make mistakes so ma- having like steps that are related to like things that are not permanent gives us like a kind of room that we might fall back to mm-hmm. so just try to take steps in sikhi out of the love of guru sahib out of love of guru sahib more than anything you mentioned um prioritizing your diet what what mm-hmm. does that look like um uh, baby steps right mm-hmm. <laughs> so doing your nitnam um like doing it dust to guru sahib to protect us from the char budget kata right mm-hmm. um like ensuring that a lot like all our kind of decisions in life our lifestyle is based around gurmat um like reading up on the bhavanja hukum and mm-hmm. obviously like and what i mean by slow and steady is if like it's possible right i'm not saying it's not possible but to try to be a perfect sick right away yep. is like um it's it gets overwhelming right yep. we're at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like we're balancing so many things living in a western world yep. school like um work like extracurricular right so many things um we can't like set unrealistic expectations of ourselves yep. so slowly make goals like if if we're not good at waking like guilty of it too i'm so guilty of it too right we're not good at making waking up for amrit well then like set like goals for yourself not like today i'm not good and tomorrow i'm going to start waking up at 2 a.m. every day mm-hmm. right like set realistic goals maybe 6 a.m. tomorrow and yep. then for like a month and then 5 a.m. the month after and mm-hmm. you know like yep. take everything slowly um and focus on like a couple of things at a time mm-hmm. um and yeah so like uh, doing nitnam is so important um it's a good way to keep yourself in check keep your soul fed <laughs> and yeah. immersing yourself in sangat of people who are also steadfast in their sikhi is important okay 
We're going to throw it back a little bit now. If you were able to speak with first year undergrad Samrit, is there any advice or left or lesson you'd give her? Um, you have time now. <laughs> um, so like looking back, um, during university, I was like, I don't have time for anything. I have to focus on my yeah. projects and things like that. And then now I'm like, oh, I really don't have time for anything now. And like yeah. 10 years from now, I'm probably going to look back and be like, oh, I had time then. Yeah. Um, but honestly, while you're, you're in school, um, is a good time to tackle any passion projects that you want to start, whether they're mm-hmm. lifelong or like um, short term. Yep. Um, passion projects are so important. I feel like... Um, using that ability and that skill of design to express what we find most important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to focus on those when you have time because yeah. I feel like after, like, when life gets busier and busier, it's hard to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. Um, it's rare to have, like, a skill where you can actually express and preserve something important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, you have time now. <laughs> um, do it now. Yeah. We're going to go the opposite way now. Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, I like, I really don't know. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I guess at this point, like options are open wherever, mm-hmm. wherever I'm kind of meant to be, I'll go. Um, I'm enjoying my nine to five right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll eventually get bored of it. Um, I'm enjoying the freelancing and projects and stuff too. If that, takes a huge demand maybe going the studio route yep um i have i've always dreamed of like a a studio where like you have um kind of like number 36 like working that have um knowledge of the font mm-hmm. where we can kind of be a hub for organizations that are focusing on the betterment of the font like mm-hmm. um there are um a lot of agencies that focus on pro bono work and like charity work mm-hmm. um and just to like hop on that and specialize in like our community would be yeah. really cool um but yeah well no like set plans wherever um <laughs> good stuff takes us we'll go <laughs> fair so we are reaching the end of the podcast and we like to end each episode with what we call the random five this is where I'm going to ask you five totally random questions just for the listeners to get to know you a little better. So we'll start off with what is your favorite book? Um, from a design perspective, there's a book called The Conscious Creative by Kelly Small. Mm-hmm. It teaches you how to be an ethical designer from so many different perspectives, like um, environmentally, uh, economically, mm-hmm. socially, politically. Like It mm-hmm. literally lists out things to think about yeah. when you're um, designing. From like what kind of paper to use to like the messaging, the mm-hmm. words that you're using. So it was a really cool book. Um, and it, if someone's like really big on making sure that their morals um, are not being sacrificed yeah. while they're designing, it's a, like highly recommend. <laughs> you said that from a design perspective, is there one from a different perspective that you also want to shout out? Um, uh, the Jeevni of Mushid Bandik Sindhi, written okay. by their daughter. <laughs> Yeah. Next question is, what is your favorite quote and or Bani Bhakti? Um, I feel like my favorite Bani Bhakti and change as Fair. life goes on. Yeah. <laughs> right now, um, one that hits hard is um, from Varante Vadik. Nanak dunya kaisi hoi, salak mit na rahe koi paai bandi het chukaya, dunya karan deen gawaya. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we get really stuck in the world. We get stuck in like our day to day lives. Um, we kind of start focusing on like micro little little things, mm-hmm. um, and it takes up way too much headspace, and we forget our purpose. Yeah. So um, this the this monthly like this body reminds me to kind of step back and be like, hey, hey, this is not why I'm here. Fair. Yeah. Next question is, what is one of your weird quirks? Um, I have a hard time focusing on this. Like, if I see, like, the weirdest thing. Okay, so if I if there's too much dust on my desk, I can't focus. <laughs> Fair. Or like, if the closet door is open, mm-hmm. I tell Gadeep to close it all the time. But if he leaves it open, I cannot work. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. So small things like that. If something's out of place, I it, I cannot focus. Interesting. Next is, if you could meet anyone in history, who would it be? By Gurdashji. Um, they spent time with so many of our gurus. Mm-hmm. Um, they broke down, like, you know how Bhai Gurdashji is like the key to learning, um, understanding Guru Granth Sahib Ji yep. and Gurbani. Um, if they're able to break it down for us, make it so simple, like, I would love to <laughs> meet them. And last one is, what is your biggest pet peeve? When things are unorganized or out of place. <laughs> Fair. So before we end off today, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Um, yeah, so this is actually something I learned from one of the interviews we did during Indebted mm-hmm. um, with um, the Babaji at Paper Adora, Lachman yep. Singh. Um, this, uh, when I asked them like what they learned about their whole journey, like mm-hmm. immigration and all that kind of stuff, one thing they, stuck out, uh, they said stuck out, and it applies to everything in life, and that was when you're making decisions in life, um, don't compromise like who you are. Don't compromise mm-hmm. your morals. Don't compromise your sikhi. Um, as long as you keep like honesty and sikhi at the forefront, mm-hmm. success will follow. Yep. Like, um, like um, whatever you do in the workplace, in school, anything, like any big cottage in your life or even day to day, keep sikhi at the mud, keep it at the forefront. Um, take the Guru Sahib's Agya Duar Das um get assista mm-hmm. uh put in effort and then success there's no doubt that success won't follow that's awesome that brings us to the end of our episode thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open but i guess we'll end it here you've been listening to the experience Sikhi podcast 